30 pieces of silver. Someone has pointed out that that was the price of a slave. Can you imagine that? That's what Jesus' life was worth, the price of a slave. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. We're continuing today in our series, The Story of Jesus, and we've come to his sham of a trial. Uh, welcome back to In Grace. I'm Jim Scudder, and we are in the very last hours of the life of Christ, where he has been arrested from the Garden of Gethsemane, brought to Caiaphas' house, put into a dungeon. He'd already been uh, questioned by the religious people. Now he's going to another sham trial, the sham trial of the Romans, and he's standing before Pontius Pilate. Uh, today, we're going to be playing a video clip uh, in the auditorium of the Quentin Road Baptist church. Obviously, you're just going to hear the audio half of that. But it's basically where Jesus would have been standing uh, on these uh, steps where we can go to today and see these steps coming out of the wall of the old city. And that would have been Pilate's Praetorium, Pilate's Judgment Hall, where they could go early in the morning and Pilate would hear the Jews' problems. And their problem, their big problem was Jesus. Although he had not done anything wrong, they were making up charges and they were going to bring him before Pilate and they were going to falsely accuse him. And Pilate declares him innocent three times and still condemns him to death. So we're going to play that video clip. You're going to hear the audio of that. So just trying to help you visualize what that's going to look like. You can actually watch that video when you go to our YouTube channel, In Grace, and you can just search for that on your YouTube search bar, search for In Grace. Once you find In Grace, go ahead and subscribe to our channel. We have tons and tons of videos there that are all free. And then you can also uh, there get alerts of when we have a new video. You can also like the videos and that helps more people see it and find uh, Jesus Christ through the gospel. Uh, so you can watch Jesus Last Day and there's a, a series on that where you can actually see what we're going to be playing uh, for our people today. You can also watch a brand new video that we're just putting out right now. It's called The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. You can watch a shorter version of that on YouTube right now or you can get the entire video series. I'll tell you more about that at the end. Right before we go, let me tell you about a really exciting event at our church, Quentin Road Baptist Church. We're in the Chicago area. If you're in Milwaukee, if you're in Indiana, you're in Iowa, Michigan, Illinois, you might want to come to hear the 70th Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. He'll be speaking in our church on Sunday, March 12th. I'll be interviewing him on stage for an episode of In Grace. So even if you live farther away, many of you live in, in Florida, Texas, California, I understand that you can't come. But if you are in the area and you can come, you, you should come to this event. If you can't come, then you're gonna be able to hear this interview on the radio or on television in the coming months. But it's a free event you can come to. Now, there is a breakfast with him. There is a donation for that. But if you want to come to actually hear him speak in our auditorium, we'd love for you to come and, and hear him. He's also a 
potential presidential candidate. And I, I do believe he's a good man. I believe that since he is a believer, he also is the one that helped get the embassy of the United States to Jerusalem and also uh, helped formulate the Abraham Accords. I really appreciate him. And I think that he would be a great candidate for president if he decides to run. So anyways, if you're interested in that, go to our website, ingraceradio.com. Look for the Mike Pompeo event, and uh, we'd love to have you here. So they had to bring him to the Roman authorities. And this is very interesting because the Bible predicts crucifixion. It predicts the, the Messiah hanging on a tree and being pierced. And so the Jews didn't do that. The Jews did not execute that way. But that's what the Bible predicted. So they were actually, by wanting Rome to be complicit in this, they were falling right into Bible prophecy without realizing it. Isn't this amazing? And so they brought Jesus to Pilate. Now, who's this Pilate? Well, he was the, the perfect, uh, the, the governor. He had, he had Rome's authority to manage that region that they had conquered of Israel. And only here in Scripture is he mentioned. We don't, we don't read about Pontius Pilate anywhere else in the Bible. As a matter of fact, there hadn't been any archaeological evidence that there was such a person. And so critics of the Bible said, well, the Bible is just full of fables. It's made up because we've never found any such person. He was mentioned in a few other ancient uh, writings, but, but they thought, you know, if he really was so powerful, he had been probably 10 years or so in that position, you would think you would find mention of him. And then one day, they were digging in Caesarea. That's, again, where his main headquarters was, his palace. And they found an inscription to Pontius Pilate. The Bible is always verified archaeologically. Always. I love that. And I've actually seen it. They have it on display in the Israel Museum. You need to go there. You need to see it for yourself. It silences the critics because they can all go and see it themselves as well. So Pilate normally in Caesarea is in Jerusalem. And the, the, the traditional location of Caiaphas' house and where Pilate's Jerusalem headquarters would have been, his praetorium, his hall, would have been just blocks away. Okay, so early in the morning at sunrise. Why at sunrise? Well, because uh, the Romans would begin their uh, hearing the problems of the people at sunrise. By 12, they were done. That's a pretty decent day, right? Especially in, in areas that's really hot. And so uh, that's why they, they hurried him in early, early in the morning. Now, we come to a little sub-story within the story. We'll come back to Pilate in a minute. Because all of a sudden, Matthew brings up Judas Iscariot. Now, Judas Iscariot had betrayed the Lord, had sold out Jesus, one of the 12. He was with Jesus all those three years of ministry. Always a phony. He was always, he was the, the, the purse man. He was the money, the money guy. And he was actually a thief. And the thief is the one that sells out the perfect one. But then he gets remorseful. In Matthew 27, verse 3, look at what it says. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, 
So I don't know if Judas didn't think he would really be condemned. How would you condemn an innocent man? I'll make my 30 pieces of silver and they'll release him anyway, so it's not a big deal. But all of a sudden he's condemned. He did not see that coming. And now he repented himself. He brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Now remember, this is all happening fluidly. They're bringing Jesus to, to Pilate. Maybe right in the middle of that, He's going to these chief priests and rulers that had just condemned Jesus. And he says, I have sinned, verse 4, in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. Even he is referring to Jesus as innocent. And they said, what is that to us? That is the problem with evil people. They do not care. They do not care. They are about one thing and one thing only, and that's what can you do for me? At this point, they didn't care about his remorse. They didn't care that he had made a mistake. And they they weren't about to undo what was already done. What is that to us? See thou to that. It's your problem, not our problem. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed. Can you imagine that? I'm sure the bag with 30 pieces of silver was probably not tied and I bet he threw it and I bet those pieces scattered everywhere and clanked and made an amazing sound to that very last coin spinning and it finally settled down and stopped. That sound must have reverberated in the ears of the chief priests and the elders because that was blood money. As a matter of fact, they called it blood money. So Judas Iscariot throws the silver into the temple Probably not the Holy of Holies or the Holy Place, but the court of the temple. And departed and went and hanged himself. Let me just stop for a second and tell you this. Suicide is, to me, just one of the most awful things in the world. Because you're, you're destroying so many people when you do that. So many people think they're out of options. They have no hope. There's there's nothing else they can do. The pain is so strong, and that's just the only way they get out of it. But that's the worst thing that you can do. It's the worst thing that you can do. But that's what he did. He went out and hanged himself. And in in Acts, we're going to read that. um, Actually, let's go to that real quick, and then we'll jump back. Acts 1.18. Now, this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. So this is Peter in Acts talking about replacing Judas Iscariot with another uh, disciple, another person. And this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the mist and all his bowels gushed out and it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem insomuch that field is called in their proper tongue Akeldama which is to say the field of blood. So Matthew says he hung himself. Acts says that that he fell headlong and his bowels gushed forth. That's rather graphic, isn't it? And I don't know if you like that kind of stuff or not. Some of you are in the medical field and that does not bother you at all. Um, I can gut a fish and gut a bear, and I have. But human surgery, I could never, ever do, ever. It's, there's nothing pretty about it, but this is what happened. You're listening to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. 
Are you interested in the end times prophecy of the rebuilding of the Jewish temple? Then you need to watch InGrace's new video series, The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. Jim Scudder Jr. will take you to amazing sites like the Temple Mount, the Dome of the Rock, and the land on the Mount of Olives purchased for the sacrifice of the red heifer. Jim Scudder has exclusive interviews with experts and people involved in rebuilding the temple. This new series will be yours as a thank you for a gift of any amount to InGrace. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to witness prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes and see how all of this impacts our world today. When your gift is $35 or more, Jim Scudder will also send you an incredible eight-part video series called Armageddon's Dawn and a beautiful End Times Prophecy Chart. Don't wait. Get this video series today to order the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple. Call now, 800-78-GRACE, or order on our secure website, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Okay, so let's go back to Matthew 26, verse 6. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for to put them into the treasury because it's the price of blood. You know, again, they're fulfilling prophecy here. They don't even realize what they're doing, but they're fulfilling prophecy. How would they not know what Jeremiah and Zechariah had predicted? How would they not know that? But they, it was blocked or they just didn't know. Verse seven, and they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field. How many things could you do with that money? Yeah, you couldn't put it in the treasury, but you could do so many things with that money. What do they do? They buy a field called a potter's field. What to do what with? To bury strangers in. Wherefore, that field was called the field of blood unto this day, the day that this was written. Now, we don't know exactly where that is today, but I think it's right there in the Hinnom Valley, right near where Caiaphas' house was. They had, a, they had bought a field, and to that day, it was called the field of blood. Then was fulfilled, according to Matthew, that which was spoken by Jeremy, that's Jeremiah the prophet, saying, and they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they had of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord appointed me. Now that's more of a direct quote from Zechariah, but Jeremiah 19, the whole chapter, if you thought that that Acts 1, 18 and 19 reference was gruesome and macabre. You need to read Jeremiah 19. It's awful, but it's also prophetic. It was true of that day when Jeremiah was writing it, but it was also true of the future when Jesus would come and Judas would betray him and Judas would hang himself and that money was used to buy a potter's field that they would use to bury poor people in. And then Zechariah 11 is more... I mean, both of them are closely related. You say, well, why didn't he mention Zechariah? Jeremiah was a major prophet. Zechariah, sorry, Zechariah, you're a minor prophet, okay? So that's probably why he just mentioned the major prophet, but I'm sure in his mind he was thinking of both. And uh, Zechariah eleven twelve says, and I say unto them, if you think good, give me my price. And if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. Someone has pointed out that that was the price of a slave. Can you imagine that? That's what Jesus' life was worth, the price of a slave, 30 pieces of silver. And my dad used to say it wasn't 29 pieces of gold. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, exactly fulfilling the prophets, folks, time and time and time again. I don't know how you can be honest and go through these prophecies and not see it, and not see it. And the Lord, verse 13, said unto me, cast it unto the potter, a goodly price that I was prized at of them, and I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them 
to the potter in the house of the Lord. So Judas, this whole sad story, uh, all fulfilling biblical prophecy. Well, let's now move back to Pilate. That was a little sub-story within the story. But now Jesus has been brought to Pilate, and we're going to go to John's version now. Again, all the Gospels have almost all of these different stories, these narratives, because this is such a climax. This is so important that they're all mentioning. And there's little details here and there that one will say and the other one won't. But again, they're all telling the same story. And just because one leaves out something doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just means they didn't include it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. John 18, verse 28, John picks up this, this narrative and says, then led they Jesus from Caiaphas, so they, they bound him, led him from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. And it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled. Isn't that amazing? They're convicting God in the flesh. And they broke all these laws in their trial, and they don't want to be defiled. You see what's happening here? You see the hypocrisy? But that they might eat the Passover. Now, where did this take place? Uh, we did another clip on Jesus' last day, part two, from Caiaphas' house to uh, a, a place right on the old city wall today. There's a couple steps that come out of the wall, but obviously the wall wasn't there in Jesus' day. And those steps, Scott Stripling believes, was Pontius Pilate's praetorium. And so that, he would have stood on the top of those steps when he was trying Jesus. So let's play that clip. This courtyard right here that we're walking into is the actual courtyard where they would have tried Jesus before the Roman authorities. Can you imagine the, the mob incited by the Jewish leaders? Can you imagine them inciting the, the people that Jesus was guilty? Can you imagine Pontius Pilate saying, I can release a prisoner. Do you want Jesus or do you want Barabbas? And they said, crucify Jesus. It's just unbelievable that Jesus did this for us here at this place. And as we approach, you can see the bedrock that leads up into what looks like just a solid wall, which it is. But remember, the walls that you see, most of them in the city of Jerusalem, the old city walls, are from the time of the Ottomans. So about 400 years ago, after Jesus died, he had predicted that the whole city would be destroyed. So all of these walls were destroyed. But there are some things that still remain, like this bedrock. And you see the steps carved out. We see three steps. These steps lead up into the palace of Herod, and that's where Pontius Pilate's praetorium would have been. And that's where he would have stood, facing the crowd, Jesus on these steps, facing Pilate. And Pilate, says, I'm going to take your life from you. And Jesus says, no, no person has the authority to take my life. And he turned to the people. Jesus looked on the people. And we can just imagine what this scene would have looked like. Can you imagine Jesus giving himself willingly to be scourged, to be whipped, to be placed a crown of thorns on his head, to be beaten, to be mocked, led from this place, let him be crucified to Calvary, to die for my sins, to die for your sins.
when you see it and when you, when you are able to go there in your mind, uh, I think it, it gives you a whole new meaning for what he's done. And we're going to go through this trial next time and, and see what Pilate said and what Herod said and what Pilate said. And Pilate, poor Pilate, I shouldn't say poor Pilate because he had a chance to do right. He had a chance to do right. And sadly, Pilate is remembered in history as the man who three times declared Jesus innocent and still sent him to be crucified. He had the opportunity. His wife even warned him. Guys, you need to be the head of your house, but you're stupid if you don't listen to your wife. Amen? <laughs> Amen. And so there Jesus was innocent but convicted. And it's just a horrible story. It's a horrible, when you start to think about what they did to him, what they said about him, the, they mocked him, and he allowed it. He allowed it. What could he have done to them? Could have incinerated them. He could have, you know, the Bible talks about how all things consist. So uh, scientists still don't know what holds atoms together. It's Jesus, okay? And in one nanosecond, if he wants to, your atoms don't hold together anymore. Uh, but that would be the kind thing to do. He could have done so many things to these people that were harming him, hurting him, and mocking him, and spitting on him, and, and pulling his beard, but he went through all of this. The worst isn't the physical and the mental anguish he went through. The worst was the spiritual separation of the Father and the Son and the Son becoming sin. Okay, We cannot comprehend what that was, but that was the ultimate awfulness of the cross and of the crucifixion. So going through the story of Jesus, it all climaxes here. He came for this moment. He came to die. And it's sad to see what humans do and what humans did. But you don't have to be like that. You don't have to be Pilate. You can see the truth. And you can see that he did this for you and he died on the cross and he rose again. And you can see that he paid for your sins on the cross and, it, and he offers you eternal life. Can you go to someone and, and say to them, God loves you? Should you do that? Absolutely you should. I had one person suggest that you shouldn't go to someone and say, God loves you. No, that's what you should do. Why? Because that's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's the hope of humanity. That will save us from our sins. That will save us from ourselves. And then once we have eternal life, now we can, with the Spirit's power that lives in us, now we can serve him and please him and get it right. But it's only when we walk close to him. If we can help you with knowing more about what Jesus did for you, about salvation, about escaping hell, uh, 
uh, please contact us and we'd love to talk to you more. 1-800-78-GRACE during business hours. Leave a voicemail if it's after hours or anytime day or night, go to ingraceradio.com and on our website, ingraceradio.com, you'll be able to find great resources or ask us questions there online. While you're there, I'd encourage you to get The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple, a brand new three-part video series. You're hearing that tomorrow, part two on the radio, but you really want to see it because we have animations of what the temples would have looked like at the time of Solomon, the time of Zerubbabel, the time of Herod, the time of Jesus, and then the rebuilding of the Jewish temple, the third temple. We have animations of what that might look like and Ezekiel's millennial temple. We also interview rabbis. I go to Dallas, Texas to uh, go and film these red heifers that are there that were brought to Israel. So we filmed them while they were still in the pastures. And then we also went to Israel to interview the rabbis that brought them over to ask them all sorts of questions to film with them at the actual ceremony site on the Mount of Olives, some land that they purchased. You've got to see this. We've got so much in it. The Bible predicts a rebuilding of the Jewish temple. We've got great detail on that that no one else has. So let me encourage you to get the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple. It's yours as my thank you for your gift of any amount to Ingrace. If your gift is $35 or more, I'm also going to send you our eight-part prophecy series, Armageddon's Dawn, the video series, and the beautiful prophecy chart. As a thank you for your gift of any amount, Jim Scudder will send you the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple when your gift is $35 or more. He will also send you his eight-part video series, Armageddon's Dawn, and a beautiful end times prophecy chart. Order the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple by calling 800-78-GRACE. Go to our secure website, ingraceradio.com, or write to us at Ingrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on Ingrace Radio with Jim Scudder, Jr. Ingrace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio.